Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me in the betters box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Tuesday, October 13th. I am your host, Adam Burke. We got a full edition of ATS Radio coming up today with Brian Blessing. We'll chat NFL Week 6, and we'll talk about the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek Golf Course out in Las Vegas. So make sure you tune in for that. Wednesday, we'll talk with Kyle Hunter, moving that from Monday to Wednesday as I was out of town for the long weekend there. We'll talk college football and the NFL with Kyle on Wednesday. We'll do the same on Thursday with Brad Powers. And then Friday, my week six picks for the Circus Sports Million coming off of a 5-0 and last week. 16-8-1 now for the season and tied for first here for the second quarter. So knock on wood, but hopefully a reversal of some Tough early season fortunes here coming in the second quarter, but we'll have a lot of stuff coming your way here on ATS Radio. And also, we'll be doing a lot of stuff over on our ATS YouTube page as well. We'll have some videos from Brian. We'll have some highlight videos uh, from today's segment of ATS Radio with Brian. We'll do the same thing on Wednesday and Thursday with Kyle and Brad. So we'll have some video content for you over on our ATS YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe over there. And make sure you subscribe to our editions of ATS Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Over at ATS.io, as I said, I was out of town for the weekend, but I did get my updated Week 7 college football power ratings up last night. Also did the opening line report for college football and the NFL. We'll have a little golf blurb once we get a video uh, from Brian, and of course, we'll talk about it on today's show. We got lots of picks and predictions over there for the upcoming week in college football and the NFL, the ongoing MLB playoffs, uh, some soccer coverage over there as well. Lots of stuff going on over at ATS.io for you to check out. And also, as we go throughout the week here, we'll be writing up the top sportsbook promotions in the legal U.S. sports betting landscape. And we always have our sportsbook reviews and state-by-state coverage. A couple new states expected to start uh, online operations here very, very soon with Michigan and Tennessee. So we're looking forward to that over at the website. All right, so this is the betters box, which means I'm chatting Major League Baseball. And both championship series underway already. The ALCS starting on Sunday, the NLCS starting last night. And in the ALCS so far, we get the Rays up two games to zero over the Houston Astros. And the Rays have become America's team this week. A lot of people outside of Houston, you know, rooting for the Rays here with Houston and all of their, uh, you know, their sign stealing scheme and all of that. And, you know, Houston has really embraced kind of this villain role. We saw that with Carlos Correa with some of his comments after they knocked out the Oakland Athletics. So a lot of people rooting for the Rays here and, are very happy to see them up 2 nothing here in this best of seven series. But when you look at how these first two games have played out, yeah, the Rays have won them both. However, Rays hitters, 26 strikeouts to just 13 for the Astros. Astros three for 16 with a runner in scoring position. The Rays are only two for 12, but they've hit some home runs here in this series. Uh, the Astros, They've only scored three runs to this point in time. When you look at contact quality, and you know, really we talk about how you know getting the best of the line that you can, or at least beating the closing number, is a really good indicator of future betting success. A good indicator of offensive success is to make quality contact. Well, in this series so far, 
the Astros have 25 batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour. The Rays only have 13. So the Astros are making more contact, higher quality contact, and yet they're down 2 nothing in this series. If you look at expected batting average, which is based on um, you know, exit velocity, is based on batted ball distance, is based on launch angle, stuff like that. When you look at the first two games of this series, the expected batting average for the Astros is 120 points higher than it is for the Rays. And again, that's based on a variety of different quality of contact metrics. And you just sort of look at a microcosm of this from game two. Alex Bregman had five hard hit balls, five batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour in game two and went 0 for 5. So you could make a strong case and a very compelling argument that the Rays have gotten lucky to be up 2-0 in this series. If you look from a contact quality standpoint, this series should be at least 1-1, if not maybe 2-0 on the Houston side. Now, the question is whether or not the Astros can come back. They've been dug a 2-0 hole, maybe not all of their own doing, but then again, they had some errors in game two. Jose Altuve seemed to have the yips, making throws to first, and McCullers gives up the big three-run homer to Manny Margot in the first inning and then really settles in after that. But, you know, the thing about it is that with Houston, yeah, they're making a lot of quality contact, but you wonder about their pitching staff as this series goes forward. You'll get Jose or Kitty tonight, Zach Greinke tomorrow. So it's really not set up that badly, in my opinion, for Houston. Or Kitty's a guy with reverse platoon splits, does better against lefties than he does against righties. And as we know about teams like Tampa Bay, these small market teams, they use a lot of the platoon advantages. So I wonder if maybe we see the Rays kind of go right on right a little bit more here tonight against Urquidy. Now, if they do that, well, first of all, you're sending kind of a negative message to your left-handed platoon bats, but also those platoon guys don't see right-handed pitching often. They're used to seeing that left-handed arm slot. So I don't know. I'll be curious to see how the Rays wind up putting their lineup together for game three here against their kitty. And then Granke in game four, you know, for Zach Granke, the strikeouts aren't there. The swing and miss isn't there, but the command is really, really good. He stays off the barrel, induces a lot of weak contact, stuff like that. So I don't think that Houston's in that bad of shape here, despite being down 2-0. I think the next two games aren't bad matchups for Urquidy and Granke. The concern, of course, is this Houston bullpen. This Houston bullpen does not have the ceiling that the Rays bullpen has. And that's even with a lot of injuries on the Rays side where they lost some guys that were really premier relievers for them. Of course, we could say the same about Houston as well, losing guys like Roberto Osuna, for example. Uh, But, you know, when you look at how the Astros match up here in the next two games, I don't think it's that bad. And you've got the Rays here sending out Ryan Yarborough in game three, Tyler Glass now in game four. I would be surprised if Blake Snell comes back for game five on one day short of rest, just because Blake Snell is a guy that has had a variety of injuries over the last couple of years. So maybe the Rays open somebody like Josh Fleming and kind of hope for the best. I'm not sure exactly how these teams will set up game five. And this is a big question here in both of the championship series because there are no days off. Usually there are those travel days kind of built into the schedule. Well, with the postseason bubble format, 
the teams don't travel. So there are no days off. So that's something that will, you know, kind of be interesting if Houston climbs back into this series here, how things sort of progress for games five, six, and seven, and how these teams decide to set up their rotations and stuff like that. But I will say this. The Rays are minus 1,000 at BetMGM to advance and win the series. Astros plus 610. Something that kind of caught my eye here a little bit, the Astros to win in seven games is plus 800. Now, I would be shocked if the Astros rattle off four in a row and win this in six. But I do think if you believe the Astros have a chance to come back, and I certainly do based on what we've seen in the first two games with their contact quality, Astros at plus 800 to win in seven. I don't think that's a bad bet. Now, obviously, this is something you can do a little bit of a lower risk, higher reward situation with that eight to one price tag. But, you know, I sort of look at this and and as much as I like the Rays, as much as I really uh, embrace the Rays coming into the season here, you know, Houston is still a very good team. They're a very good offense. They've got good starting pitching. The bullpen is, again, a little bit iffy, and that is something that concerns me. But I wouldn't be all that shocked to see Houston get back into this series. And, you know, again, the Rays are a heavy favorite for a reason. They've already won two games. They're already out in front in this series. But at plus 800, for Houston to come back and win in a game seven, I don't think that that's a bad bet. I think that's something that, you know, could very well happen in this series. And if it doesn't, hey, you know, it's it's eight to one. You know, so it's not like you risked a whole lot for Houston to come back. I think they're very live in game three today. I think they're very live with Granky uh, in game four as well. So I think it's worth taking a shot. I think it's worth considering, especially when you see that, you know, the Rays strike out a lot more than the Astros do. And in this tournament of variants, and I've talked about this before, there are usually a handful of plate appearances that really decide and dictate a game. Well, so far in this series, The Astros do have 16 at-bats to 12 for the Rays with men in scoring position. So they are getting more chances. They are putting more balls in play. I think they're still live. Now, of course, if they lose game three, that bet's pretty much dead in the water. But like I said, it's a small position to win it 8-1 to for the Astros in seven games. So I don't think that's a bad bet. It's very hard at this point in time, I think, to take anything with the Rays side in terms of them advancing. But... You know, I think the Astros in in seven games isn't a bad look here. Of course, that would require that they do win game three. Uh, And, you know, we'll see if that winds up happening here in tonight's matchup. As far as the NLCS goes, the Braves drew first blood in that one with a five to one winner. Uh, The Dodgers bullpen, specifically Blake Trainin, kind of collapsing a little bit here late in this one. You know, the Braves had to win the Max Freed game. I mean, you know, you have to win that game because your rotation depth is pretty concerning, you know, past Freed and Ian Anderson. And again, in a traditional format where if you had the travel days, the Braves would be in better shape because you don't, things get kind of interesting in the middle of this series with Kyle Wright, uh, with, you know, maybe Josh Tomlin or Huascari Noah, or maybe Bryce Wilson, something like that. Things get kind of dicey at that point in time. They had to win the Max Freed game and they did. Free did allow some hard contact, eight batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour, but one run on four hits over six innings, struck out nine, exactly the start that the Braves needed out of him. And the Dodgers were 
markedly worse against left-handed pitching during the regular season. They were still 13% better than league average, and they got better as the season went along. But it was one of the few chinks in the armor for this Dodgers team throughout the regular season. And you know, it was something that kind of reared its ugly head a little bit in game one here as well. And again, they were still well above average, but it was one of the offensive areas where they did struggle a little bit. Overall here, just in general, I'm not surprised to see lower scoring games in the championship series. I talked about this going into the division round that a lot of teams were playing against division foes. So even though the pitcher versus batter stats are not statistically significant because the sample sizes are so small, at least you've seen those guys. You've got familiarity with their plans of attack. You know how their pitches move. You know how they like to sequence and stuff like that. (coughs) Excuse me. And that's especially true of the relievers, you know, because you see relievers, you know, maybe once a year in a traditional season. But this year, you know, you saw those relievers a lot more. So I think that was something that, you know, kind of played off a little bit in the division series is that you had a lot more of this familiarity. In the championship series, Braves, Dodgers, Rays, Astros, not only have you not seen those guys this year, but you don't really see them a whole lot in the course of a regular season anyway. So like that is something to kind of keep an eye on as we go forward here throughout these series. But as far as the Braves offense goes, you know, they had chances against Walker Bueller. Bueller walked five, did have seven strikeouts over five innings, did get extended, you know, quite a bit uh, with the Braves being very patient in that game. But they couldn't get that big hit. They couldn't get that big knockout blow. And then they did it against the bullpen. And, you know, it was a tough spot for the Dodgers because they wind up using Bruce, Bruce Star uh, greater all, excuse me. And then they had to use Dustin May. Dustin May was on track to start game three. He probably still will. It was probably just a day where he was going to throw anyway, but he came out and threw one and two thirds innings. So now the Braves got to look at May for whenever he winds up going again later on in this series. It was a, it was a pretty perfect storm of negativity for the Dodgers in game one. They didn't hit Bueller wasn't sharp. Their relievers didn't pitch well. And Kenley Jansen, obviously not an option for them going forward. So these were a lot of bad developments for the Dodgers here. And even though that was the case, we look over at BetMGM here, and the Dodgers are still a minus 115 favorite over the Braves. So the Braves got some respect for game one simply because they're up 1-0 now, and the Dodgers have to win four of six. But the Dodgers are still favored in this series. And I think that there are a couple of things to kind of look at here. The first is that the Braves continue to be disrespected. This is an elite offense. This was the best offense in baseball against right-handed pitching during the regular season. Ian Anderson has morphed into a very good starting pitcher, and they've got a terrific bullpen. They've got a very high upside bullpen, and that offense always gives them a chance. But I think what it also points to here is that while the Braves were great against right-handed pitching, they were a little bit better than league average against left-handed pitching and they will get Clayton Kershaw in game two they'll get multiple innings of Alex Wood and Julio Urias as this series goes along so I think the Dodgers would be wise to use these lefties as much as they possibly can over the rest of this series and we'll see if Kershaw is able to have success in game two again when you look at these two teams specifically and I know game one was lower scoring these are the best two offenses in baseball 
against right-handed pitching. I think the Dodgers can throw more lefties at the Braves. So I do understand the minus 115 price tag. I do understand that the Dodgers, you know, are thought to have this simply elite lineup, and it is, but I don't think that people realize just how good this Atlanta offense was during the regular season and how good it's been so far to this point in the playoffs as well. So where I do have a pretty concrete opinion in the ALCS series, where I think Astros at eight to one to win in seven games is a pretty good prop bet. I don't know so much about this series. I do think that as this series goes deeper, the Dodgers probably do have the advantage because they've got a Dustin May, a Tony Gonsolin, a Urias, a Wood, guys that can throw multiple innings and be effective for them. I don't know if the Braves can trust guys like Tomlin or Wilson or something like that. And furthermore, again, Max Fried, another guy that was hurt during the regular season, I think the Braves would be hard-pressed to use him in game four. I think game five is the more likely possibility. So with that in mind, you know, the Dodgers probably do have the advantage, at least in games three and four, in this series. So even if they lose game two with Anderson and Kershaw, it's not like it's curtains for them or anything like that. But I will say this again, the Braves 14 batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour in game one against a very good Dodgers pitching staff. The Braves made more hard contact in game one than the Dodgers did. So we'll see how that plays out, you know, and it's tough because this is a series that should benefit offense. And as a general point here, overall, exit velocity across the board in the playoffs is up dramatically, dramatically from the regular season. So there are some thoughts that the balls might be juiced a little bit in order to generate some more excitement. And also, too, because when you look at the park factors that are in play here for this championship series, these are parks that, generally speaking, tilt towards pitching and defense. And that's especially true of what we've got here Uh, in the NLCS. So the balls are playing a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more spring loaded at this point in time for the championship series. And they were for the division series too. So that is something you want to factor into the equation a little bit. And also something else here, just as an overall point between the two series and also the world series, when we get to it is that bullpen usage is really critical in these best of seven series with no off days the relievers are working on thinner margins. So if you are playing pre-flop with these games, you have to know the bullpen situations. The roster resource section over at Fangraphs is great for this. Also too, baseballpress.com has some bullpen usage numbers. You've got to know what's going on with these bullpens. You've got to know who's available, who's going to be working three straight days, stuff like that. Because These are situations where these hitters will make adjustments. As they see these relievers more, they're going to have a better chance. And these relievers, you know, the more often you work, the more your command goes down a little bit, the more you may lose a little bit of velocity. So you got to factor that into the equation quite a bit here in this best of seven. And in particular, without days off, you've got to know how the bullpen stand going into these games. And we have seen managers try to push their starters a little bit deeper here because they're aware of the fact that there are no days off. We saw that in the division series. We'll start to see it here in the championship series as well. Uh, These are much better bullpens than some of the teams we had in the division series. But still, some of these managers may overplay their hands a little bit 
that could lead to some live betting opportunities if you're aware of how these bullpens are being used. And something else I thought was interesting uh, in the first two games of Rays Astros and in game one uh, of the NLCS is that we didn't see the long relievers come into play. So these managers are really making it a point to be able to pull and to have a quick hook with their depth starters in games three, four, and potentially five. So keep that in mind too. The line will be predicated on the starting pitcher, but for the Dodgers case, they'll go to Urias quickly if they have to. They'll go to Wood quickly if they have to. They'll go to May quickly if they have to, stuff like that. So keep that in mind, is that there will be some quick hooks for these starting pitchers as these series go deeper. Overall futures odds over at BetMGM, the Rays plus 140 with their two-game lead in the ALCS. Dodgers plus 225, Braves plus 250. So again, here we see it where even though the Braves won game one, the Dodgers still being given the benefit of the doubt. Astros plus 1,100. As I said, you know, I think the best play in the ALCS is the Astros in seven games at plus 800. To take them at 11 to one, I don't think is a good bet because not only do they have to overcome significant underdog odds in the ALCS, they're a dog to the Dodgers for sure. And if the Braves beat the Dodgers, the Astros may be a dog to the Braves as well, simply because the Braves will get that benefit of the doubt, will get that boost for beating the team thought to be you know, the best in baseball here in the Dodgers. So I don't think there's a whole lot of futures equity from a World Series standpoint, but still lots of equity in the prop markets, live betting markets. And again, if you're betting pre-flop, keep an eye on those bullpen situations for all of these teams. We'll have another edition of ATS Radio here on Tuesday, talking with Brian Blessing about week six in the NFL and also about the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek. Wednesday with Kyle Hunter, Thursday with Brad Powers, Friday, Circus Sports Million Picks for week six. And make sure you check out all of the great content, especially those sportsbook promotions for this week over at ATS.io. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.